The following program has been furnished and paid for by Kevin Seven Financial Services, and KSCV is not responsible for its content or the products or services offered. The following program has been furnished and paid for by Kevin Seven Financial Services, and KSCV is not responsible for its content or the products or services offered. Welcome to Your Finances with Kevin Seven here on KSEV, a show about finance and retirement planning. And now, here's your host, Kevin Coogley. Hello, and welcome to the Kevin's Seven Your Finances show. Today, we will be talking about your finances and hopefully give you a fresh perspective that you haven't necessarily heard out there. And today is August the 6th on a Sunday. We are live. Are we? And yeah, we got Gary here on the line with us too. Well, yeah, and, and you can call. And make sure I have this right because I have uh, to schedule an appointment with you, Kevin. It's 877-KEVINS, K-E-V-I-N-S, Seven, Kevin Seven. That's eight seven seven Kevin's Seven, or eight seven seven five three eight four six seven seven. Did I get that right? Yeah, that's perfect. Eight seven seven five three eight four six seven seven. That's if you're driving down the road coming back from church. That's one eight seven seven Kevin's Seven with an S in there and the number seven at the end. And today, Sunday, August the sixth on KSEV Radio, we are. We also have these posted this radio show in case you want to refer back to it hey i remember there was something interesting he said you can go to the kevin seven facebook page or apple podcast kevin seven so k k e v i n s the number seven and then you can find this this today's show is going to be episode eight and we will also be taking the uh, questions live. And yes, that's right. 281-558-5738. 281-558-KSEV is our number to confuse you even more. Now, I notice you said you're going to mention to remind you that a little later on in the program, you're going to be talking about structured notes. But yes. uh, I have a question for you right now. Of course, we're talking about Dave Ramsey. Uh, I, I understand you're a smart vester pro with Dave Ramsey. And, and now at what point in those, I think, what, seven baby sets, uh, steps, should some some people start working with you as a smart vester pro? Yeah, so I'm a smart vester pro. And uh, ironically enough, that number seven repeats again. He has seven baby steps. So you have the first baby step, which is put $1,000. This is for beginners, obviously. Anybody can start the baby step process with Ramsey. And it's also a good resource online. You can follow him on Instagram as well or uh, Facebook. And the first baby step is to put 1000 away into an emergency fund. The second is you pay off all of your credit card debt. The third is put three to six months worth of your income into a savings account, right? So you build it from baby step number one to a yeah. thousand to three to six months worth of savings in case your air conditioning goes out or in an unexpected emergency comes up. Don't say that. Yeah. And then so that money is set aside. And we have coaches, or Ramsey has coaches, that we can help people with those first three baby steps. But once somebody's in baby step number four, that's where people should put 15% of their income into their employer retirement account. That's when it is appropriate for them to start talking to a uh, smart vester pro. So yeah, the, the baby steps are there and it's a good basic way for people to look at whether you're a beginner or you need a refresher if you've been an investor a long time you look at those baby steps see which step you're on and you know that the final step is to 
build wealth and give. That's number seven. And I mentioned at the beginning of the show uh, that we were, or we spoke before the show, and we are going to mention something. People are driving home today from church, and we will talk about Christians and not tithing. So oftentimes you go to a church and they talk about tithing there. Uh, we'll, we'll talk more about this towards the end of the show, but uh, I, I will give the scripture to back it up. And we will talk about why a New Testament believer, uh, born again believer, a Christian should not tithe. So, and if you have, uh, if, if you maybe have a little bit of different perspective on that, then feel free again to call in to 281-558-5738, and we can chat about it. So yeah. always love to hear from new callers. Yep, so call us, and, and, no, and as they say all the time, no question is stupid. It really yeah. is. I, I asked myself that, and I said, did I say something? <laughs> no, never mind. Okay, I'm going to give you your number one more time. That's uh, for an appointment. And they say you cannot say this enough, 877 877- K-E-V-I-N-S-7. That's 877-K-E-V-I-N-S-7 or 877-538-4677. Something just slipped my mind, but it's coming back slowly to me. And I do want to say something about the economy. We mentioned it last week, but do you have any uh, things about the market? They say a couple yeah. of years before anything changes. Well, Everybody says that. <laughs> changes to well, what, right? We can start off with what happened last week. And we mentioned on last on the last Sunday show how the markets were uh, somewhat overbought. And, you know, just following up on what happened last week, the NASDAQ was down nearly 3%. The S&P 500 was down 2.3%. The Dow was down one2 and the Russell 2000, which is a broader index that has more small cap, uh, smaller company stocks weighted in the Russell 2000. That one was actually up. It was up 1.85%. So it matches the theme of what we said last Sunday when the techs were looking overbought. Now, it's hard to judge. Nobody knows what's going to happen in the future. Again, that comes out of the Bible. First, uh, it comes out of the book of James, chapter 4. So nobody knows, but there are certain trends that uh, we take a look at because they might give us a clearer picture of, with a, co- a certain confidence level of what may or may not happen. So that's what happened in the four major indexes last week. Now, you also have the... Uh, the bond markets, right? And U.S. Treasuries, the bond markets for the last five days within the six-month the six-month yield, it's off a little bit. It was down. Now you can get a six-month U.S. note for five point four percent, six percent. It will pay you that interest, right? So, and then the ten-year uh, is actually up. Ten-year Treasury, the U.S. ten-year Treasury was up. Uh, to 4.04%. So over the last five days, that went up a couple of percentage points um, in, in its gain, right? It didn't go up 2%, but right now it, uh, it's at 4.04%. That one is one to look at because typically an insurance company in their products will deliver more value to their clients in the form of fixed annuities or indexed annuities whenever the 10-year treasury is the highest, right? So that's what happened in the markets. Now, also there's an individual stock that had a, a lot of press last week, and that was Apple. And Apple stock is down, unfortunately, 7.23% for the last five days. So it is no longer a trillion-dollar company. It uh, lost a few hundred billion. So, and the reason being was actually Thursday night, they released earnings. Gary, usually these companies will announce earnings after the market closes. And analysts have uh, 
an expected earning that they think is going to occur for a company. And Apple actually did a surprise on the upside. They actually beat their earnings estimate, which you would think that the bottom line would be the most important thing. They did beat the earnings estimates that the analysts predicted, but also their revenue was down from last year. So that's the main driving factor of why Apple was down. And, you know, they traded Friday after that announcement. On Friday, they were down a whopping nearly a five, uh, nearly five point five percentage points. They were down 4.8%. So not a good day or week for Apple. But again, we come back to this foundation of investing. We're just talking about short-term or tactical. We're talking about what stocks or indexes are doing on a short-term or tactical basis over a long period of time. If you're patient, you are going to win with the stock market. I don't know of any other investment choice that has outperformed on a broad basis the, uh, the stock market or the S&P 500. Now, there are some outliers out there, obviously, if you get in uh, lucky at a, a real estate investment at the right time. But overall, there's, no, there, there's nothing that I can think of that you can invest in that's going to beat the stock market unless – now, here's the one exception. Unless you are in business for yourself, and we have a lot of small business owners as clients, and they can have some fantastic rates of return when they invest their money back into their own business. So this is why we recommend that people, particularly when you're younger, invest the majority of their retirement account in stock-type investments. And you, and you should start immediately. I mean, right out of the crib almost. Yeah, yeah. Some I mean, people seriously. are lucky enough to have, yeah. Some people are lucky enough they got their parents that they start contributing, and that's actually going back to the Ramsey Seven Baby Steps. That's baby step number five and giving to education. And so they can open up a 529 account. That's the main educational retirement account that people can put after-tax money into, and it will grow tax-deferred. But certainly it's best when anybody starts, whether they're 16, 15, they get in the habit, if they start working at that early of an age, go ahead and do the 15% into either a traditional 401K, 403B, or a Roth 401K or 403B, whatever. Those two accounts, and I realize that's a lot of numbers we're throwing around, but those two accounts are defined contribution plans, and you go to your employer and you say, hey, I want to put 15% of my money that I'm earning into my re retirement account. And usually the HR company, the HR person within your company will help you put that, uh, get that started for you. And you can give uh, us a call right here to, I almost forgot the number again, 281-558-5738, 281-558-KSCB, or to schedule an appointment with Kevin, that's 877-KEVINS, K-E-V-I-N-S-7, 877-538-4677. We're going to take a quick break uh, for everybody. We'll be right back. Having a hard time knowing what kind of income you may expect in retirement? Kevin Seven is a financial planning firm. We take you from financial confusion to financial confidence. A financial plan takes into account what you're making, spending, and saving, and forecasts that into the future. Call us at 877-KEVIN-7. That's 877-538-4677. We can schedule an appointment for you via Zoom, phone, or even in person. Or visit us on our website at kevin7.com, K-E-V-I-N-S, the number 7.com. Catch Chris X Radio weekdays at 4. This week we lost Paul Rubens, better known as Pee Wee Herman. Despite his arrest in 1991, he had a stellar career and entertained generations of adults and children alike. Au revoir, Pee Wee. Say hello to Large Marge and Captain Carl Forrest. Thanks for the laughs. And we'll keep a light on for you. Chris X Radio. 
Weekdays 4 till 6, right here on The Voice of Texas. Phone lines are open now. Call 281-558-5738. That's 281-558-KSEV. Welcome back to Kevin's 7 Your Finances, where we try to give you something that you haven't heard before and some insights into the markets and the economy. And one of the many kinds of different investments out there are what we know as uh, structured notes. Not many financial advisors use structured notes, Gary, and why? It's, it's, that's a fantastic question. I have no idea why. It's, uh, I guess, in, in a way, it's new to the market. Um, and, you know, the, the traditional financial advisor will put 60-40, that you hear this all the time, inside of the investment industry. What 60-40, what is 60-40? That's the average portfolio in the in, in, in any investor's portfolio, 60-40. So 60% of their money would go into stocks or the equivalent of stocks, and 40% would go into bonds. And guess what? Right. The 60-40 did not work last year. 60% stocks, most stocks went down. 40% in bonds, bonds went down because as interest rates go up, the value of bonds go down, and that really hurt bond value and bond mutual funds. So a structured note is, in, in a way, it behaves like a bond, depending on the kind of structured note that it is. But all structured notes are issued by investment banks. And an investment bank, so what does that mean, issue? So a, a, a corporation or a municipality can issue a bond. So that means they will get people to give them money. So if I'm a municipality or I'm a corporation and I want money, I can borrow it from the public by issuing a bond. The investor in the general public receives a piece of paper and the corporation or the municipality receives the cash. So they become uh, owed, and that's why it's called a note, right? Because, or paper, you hear it referred to as a note or paper sometimes, right? Okay. Because the investor or the general public that buys the bond or the municipal bond or the corporate bond, they receive a note and they give the municipality or the corporation uh, the, their cash. And so they do that for a reason because the general public gets interest. And they, a corporation, they get a higher rate of interest usually than a municipality. Municipality has uh, ta uh, income tax exemption, which is good if you're in a high income tax state or you don't want to pay federal income taxes, then you would want to potentially go buy a municipal bond. So how do structured notes fit into all of that? Well, they issue, it's an investment bank. There are only investment banks that issue structured notes. And as an example, right, so you have the, the big banks like in America, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, J.P. Morgan, Bank of America, Citi. Those are, that's about five different investment banks. They will issue a piece of paper that gives certain terms to their investor, whether it be an interest rate in the form of an income-structured note or a growth note, which is something somebody wants to get a higher return on potentially. Now, a structured note, they're guaranteed by whoever the issuing bank is. And I just mentioned four or five different banks. Now the rules 
within uh, American banking system, now we have – they're under American federal law and FINRA, but now we have even foreign banks that people can put their money into. And most of them have, even though they're a foreign bank, they have their headquarters in New York. Two European ones are Barclays, right? Out, they're out of England, and then BNP Paribas. They are out of France. And then you've got a couple of Canadian banks, Bank of Montreal and RBC, Royal Bank of Canada. Those are also companies, investment banks, that issue these structured notes. So that's kind of like the basis and the foundation of how a structured note is created. They are made or they are created by these investment banks. Generally, I see a schedule that they come out with new structured notes every couple of weeks with new terms. So whether you're looking for income, and that means if you're looking for income, typically, you know, you just want an interest payment or a coupon. They'll put in a monthly coupon potentially, and they will, coupon and, and interest payment are the same, right? So an interest, they will give you an interest rate, and they will pay you that monthly income, right? And that's, they, there's always trade-offs in investing. And whether you go 100% into stocks, the trade-off is that you could lose potentially in individual stocks, you could lose 100% of your money. So stocks can go all the way up, and they could potentially go all the way down. So that's more at risk. And you, the trade-off is, is that, you know, you have more risk on the downside. Now, say, you don't want to have that exposure on the downside. Well, one of the options as an investor they could look at doing a structured note, and it could be tied to one index, say the S&P 500. So the S&P 500 essentially is a stock, a stock index, 500 different stocks, the largest corporations in America, right? So it's solely an American index. People can go into a structured note that's based on that S&P 500. So if they want protection on the downside, that will, the trade-off is they do not have as much participation on the upside. So on the downside, you can protect your principal 100% with a structured note that is guaranteed by the investment bank. So if you say go to Goldman's, if we found a note for you, Gary, and you okay. wanted to have 100% protection, uh, from just with one index, the S&P 500, you look at Goldman Sachs, and Goldman Sachs could create a note that has different variables in it, like the length of time and the amount of return they'll give you. If you wanted a 100% protection on the downside, that will significantly limit your upside participation in whatever the S&P 500 delivers. Let me stop there and ask you, so in our hypothetical here, Gary, okay. does, does, does that make sense to you on the downside uh, protection? Well, yeah, yeah, it does. It, they're, protecting, they, they're protecting with their, like, whatever particular bank or whatever, is, mm -hmm. and if you got a problem, they're going to, they, what does that mean by protecting? Are they going to pay us back for something? Yeah, you so you're guaranteed to get your money back at the end of the term. Oh, what a deal, some, then. Some of the months, you know, some of them are two years, some of them three years, they go five years, mm -hmm. depending on when you're guaranteed to get your money back at the end of that term. And wow. one thing I like to, whenever I say term, I like to think of uh, terminate, so that's whenever the end of the period terminates. So if you went into, for an example, a five-year term, you're guaranteed to get your 100% of your money back at the end of that five years or three years. I saw a good note last week that uh, was a three-year term. And so they, they were guaranteed to get their 100% of the money back from, you know, and they have a participation in the S&P 500. So that's the, they don't get 100% of the upside though. So they might get maybe 10 to 12% a year 
on the upside so that if the S&P 500 doubles, they're not going to get that. So that is the trade-off. If you have 100% protection, then it's going to significantly lose or lose participation on the upside. So your your principal is guaranteed to be returned to you, but the actual return on whatever the note delivers, that's not guaranteed. It's up to whatever happens in the S&P 500. So, and you will only participate in that upside to some degree, right, in, in the S&P 500. So these come out all the time, and they always have different terms. But the investment bank, when it's in writing, and they, these are sold by prospectus, so you'll get a preliminary prospectus if you choose to go into one of these, but it will tell you the terms. And the investment bank always, always delivers, that I, everyone that I've seen, delivers the exact terms that they give. And just for everybody listening, these notes are kind of like the opposite. We talked about indexed annuities and fixed annuities. They deliver better returns for the investor whenever the 10-year treasury goes up. And the 10-year treasury is a little over 4%, so they're pretty good right now. Structured notes typically deliver better returns or interest rates to the end investor whenever there's a volatile time in the market. So whenever there's a lot of volatility, and usually when there's a lot of volatility in the market, the, the stock market's gone down. So the, the terms are usually a lot better for structured notes after these indexes have a lot of volatility or they've come, come down significantly. So as an example, last week for the uh, large cap, mega cap tech companies, that uh, that has made for a little bit better terms in regard to structured notes. So again, you go into a structured note, there's always a trade-off that you have. If you can protect 100% on the downside, you're going to limit your upside participation. But say some people are, they're all right with a little bit of risk on the downside, then you look at maybe perhaps an income note that will protect down to 30%. And we've seen, I've used these a lot in the past. They're usually tied to three different indexes. So on the downside, so long as none of the three indexes at the end of the term, and I use 18 or 22 month, months for the term, so long as the the index at the end of the term, when it matures, again, I use term and maturity can be used synonymously. As long as those are not, those indexes tied to, they call it an underlier, the underlying index. So long as that is not down by 30% more, if it has something called a barrier, 30% barrier, then the client is guaranteed to get their money back. But if one of the three indexes are down more than 30% at the end of the term or the maturity date, then they would lose money. Now, I haven't seen that with any of my clients, thankfully, but that is something that everybody should know What when they're going into a structure note. If it has exposure on risk, what is the exposure? So that is a 30% barrier. So that means if it goes down below 30%, then the client could lose money. Now, there is a better trade-off on the upside. So you're, the tra you have exposure on the downside. The trade-off usually is going to be higher than a, what a 100% protected principal note would be. So we've seen them, you know, I've used these as income notes or diversification, particularly last year. They worked fantastic uh -huh. as a diversification better than bonds because bonds went down last year, as we All said. Right. Structured note, these were paying 8 to 10% in many cases last year. But there again, you know, you're getting a higher interest rate. Higher, by the way, you can get up, upwards of 5.4% just sitting in cash right now. So if you have money in your bank account, we recommend that you go to, a, if you're not going to use the money, put it into a money market fund. A money market fund will pay you over 5% currently, and it's not sitting in the bank account getting 
0.01% or whatever it is. That's pretty good, 5%. Yeah. It, it, that doesn't come around often either. No, well, it hasn't since, golly, when I first got into the industry in the late years? 90s. Yeah, I mean, it yeah. was. Yeah. Yeah, it got over at 5% at one point, and it was it was good for people who had money in a bank account back then. They would move their, you know, whether it be a small business owner uh, or you know, people who have just CDs that might be expiring, it's better than the, the money market accounts are always going to pay higher than the standard bank accounts. And the money market accounts are daily liquid. So if you needed to have access to that, you can immediately move it over to uh, your checking account. Or sometimes it's within a day or so you can move it in. Uh, they call it an ACH transaction, automatic clearing house. You can move it from your brokerage account to your bank account, or you can even have – we have it where we can set clients up with a, a bank account – or it's a, a money market account, and they can write checks directly from that account. So, oh, What are the terms uh, of uh, structured notes, and how long do you have to stay in, in these? Uh... Yeah, so they differ. They, it could be anywhere from – I usually go into uh, with clients. We, we look at 18- to 22-month structured notes for income. So say it will pay anywhere from 8 to 10%. They might have that 30% barrier on the downside. They have to know that. There is something called a callable feature on a lot of these notes, and that means that if – the three indexes or the three underlying indexes that the structured note is tied to, if they are flat, meaning they have not gone down or gone up, if they are flat or up, yeah, flat, if the indexes are the same as when they issued, when it was created, if they are flat or up, then the investment bank will call the note, which means they pull the note out of the account, that paper, and then they put the cash back in the account of the original amount that the investor invested, and then they pay them their third month interest. So usually these structured notes, they are on a um, three-month non-call. So after those three months, if I have a client, for instance, that is in the structured note and it's called, then they will get a call from me that allows them to go – I'll tell them this is what went back into your account. This was the last interest. And these are the different options that you go into – you may go into as far as a new structured note goes. So those okay. – we've been talking a lot about structured notes, but I think that it's important for people out there to hear something that's a new perspective – that I have found it's gaining popularity within the financial advisor world. And it's a new way f that, that something that most people have not heard about. And again, this is something you can go back and listen to and review. In fact, I'm going to tell my clients about this. I'll send them an email saying, you know, if you ever want a refresher on what the heck a structured note is, then go back to Kevin Seven Apple Podcast, and this is episode eight. And it gives you this, and I think we've done a pretty good job of explaining the basics of a structured note and, and what the trade-offs are. And Gary, I, you tell me, what is it uh, as far as these structured notes that uh, you still may have some questions on? Well, I don't really know. I mean, there's a couple of things, and, and everybody should get involved in it because there's so much uh, that goes into the structured notes. That, yeah. And well, I'll tell you what. And just due to a lot of people, again, we do baby steps through the, the, the Ramsey process, do those seven baby steps. This is something that somebody can do as a baby step, right? You don't have to put a lot of money into these to see how they work. And then, you know, after you spend, see how it works over the months and over the years and that you see the results are what the investment bank says the results will be, whether it be a coupon 
or principal protection or some kind of a, a growth. And they do have growth on the upside. They have these things called catapult notes. And so this is why it's, it's, it's not limited to either growth or income. A catapult note will pay somebody a premium the first year. For instance, let me give you an example of what a catapult note does. It enhances on the backside what the return will be. I like to keep things simple. So that we'll just say that it's one index and one that I've seen. So here's an example of a catapult or what I say is an enhanced return on the backside. An investment bank will come out with a note just tied to the S&P 500. They will, it's a five-year term, meaning it will mature in five years. However, it has a callability feature within the first year. That first year, depending on the S&P 500, if the S&P 500 is up, it will pay you, for example, a 10% premium. So you get the 10%, and I've seen them high, higher than that recently. Sometimes it's lower than 10%, but this is just an example. They will pay you 10% in the first year. Again, these things come out twice a month standard. Uh, so the, the terms always vary. So, But this example of the catapult note or the enhanced note, they get the – if the S&P 500 is up 1%, they get the 10% return in this example with a 10% premium in the first year. If it's down, if the S&P 500 is down after that first year, then they don't get anything. But in the fifth year, they get 140% of what the S&P returns. Wow. So, yeah, that's that catapults or it enhances the back end of that structured note. So that somebody could potentially get, if, if, if it goes down, and a lot of people could go into this thinking, well, I hope that the S&P 500 is down, so I don't want to get the 10% in the first year. I'm okay with leaving it in there for five years. I just want that 140% on the backside of the structured note of the S&P 500. And again, the investment banks will deliver what they say they're going to deliver because you have you, you have regulations, right? It's a heavily regulated industry, and you have FINRA that is overseeing this, and they, once they say they're going to do something, then they have to, they have to do it, right? Or they, they would be in trouble with the regulators. And the, the only risk – well, the, the main risk is what they call creditor risk. So if, yeah. if Goldman Sachs or J.P. Morgan – or whoever issued the note were to go bankrupt, then, yeah, that would, that would affect it, obviously, because they are the ones that are guaranteeing the note. If you want that, there's, here again is another trade-off. You, you can do this in the form of CD, and ha it's called a certificate of deposit, right, note, yeah. and it's FDIC insured. But, again, you're adding another layer of protection on there so that when somebody goes into that, they're not going to get – as high of a, a return as they would within just issuer backed. So that oh, okay. extra FDIC insurance costs money in the form of it's not going to help you with your return. And so th this is the basics of how structured notes work. Initially, when people go into a structured note, particularly within the month, first month, there are there, you will potentially see the value of the structured note go down um, because the investment bank takes out uh, their operating expenses. So, but after that third month, if it's a non-call if it's a three-month non-call, you get 100% of your money back and you get that last month's interest payment. That's great. So, That's great. I mean, it, it, I'm I'm trying to compare it, and there's probably no comparison. But I'm saying saying the structured notes versus the 401k do you get more money out of with structured notes or that's entirely a different thing yeah a structured note they are sold by prospectus and and that way they behave like mutual funds but you cannot do a structured note inside of a 401k or a 403b once uh -huh. you retire you can do them you know you can Anybody can do a rollover potentially into an IRA once they reach the age of 59 and a half. If you're still working, 
that's probably not a good idea uh, if you're in your 70s because you don't want to take RMDs after 73 this year. You don't have to take an RMD if you're still working because you're earning income. Why would you want to have to take money out of an IRA? I have a question on the RMD real quick. Is there yeah. a percentage uh, on that RMD? Yeah, yeah, and it's calculated by whoever the custodian is with your IRA. Used to, they didn't do it, but that's one of the good rules that came out a while back. It will tell you the amount on most custodian t statements, whether it be you know, somebody like RBC or LPL that we use as a custodian, you know, Bank of America, they will tell you what your RMD is. And it's in your first few years, it's, it's a higher percentage of the overall amount that's in your IRA. And then over the years, it gets smaller, and it's based on life expectancy. Okay. So, okay. yeah, it's, it's, you know, they, the government incentivizes people to put money in – to retirement accounts. That's why, you know, baby step number four, put 15% of your money into a retirement account. And then if it's if it's not a Roth IRA, Roth IRA, you don't have to do this. You don't have to worry about these required minimum distributions or RMDs. And so then, you know, the money comes out. Uh, if it's a traditional IRA and you have to, you'll, you'll pay the income tax. It's not a significant amount. Used to, there were bad penalties that occurred when, if you did not take out your RMD, which back in the day, you know, like I said, they didn't put this on the statements. Now, for the most part, the custodians do. But it could, you know, it, it was a potential problem for a lot of people if, if they caught this thing too late. There was a significant penalty. But with the new laws, Cure Act 2.0, that was signed into federal law last December, they have minimized those penalties uh, when somebody doesn't take the right amount out of their required minimum distribution. So finances, uh, uh, if you have any money lying around, it's time to get uh, get that money working for you. You don't want to work for the money, right? You can right. The, People have worked <laughs> hard for their money over the years. They should have their money working hard hard for them, right? That's right. That's right. You can schedule an appointment, 877-KEVINS, K-E-V-I-N-S-7, 877-538-4677. How about you take a break? country girl, gonna give me a word on a Tennessee Saturday night. Lucky as a seven, living in heaven with my Dixieland delight. Spend my dollar, park in a holler, needs a mountain moonlight. There are three things you need to know when choosing a financial advisor. Number one, experience. Number two, credentials. And number three, judgment ability. I have over 27 years experience in the industry. I am a chartered retirement planning counselor, CRPC, and an MBA. Although past performance doesn't guarantee future results, we can show you that we've delivered results that double the S&P 500. Don't hesitate. Call us at 877-KEVIN-7 or visit us on our website, K-E-V-I-N-S, the number 7.com. The Three Amigos. I know y'all are the most influential talk show in the state. Finally figured out why, though. First of all, you've got the best state senator, not just in Texas. Hey! You've got AM 700's answer to Milton Friedman, which I consider that a real hot compliment. That's no Ben. Last but not least, you got the lovable liberal. Eric! Jim, I, we're having a blast with you, and I'm glad you we called. Really the Three Amigos, every Friday afternoon at 4 on AM 700 KSEV, the voice of Texas. Phone lines are open now. Call 281-558-5738. That's 281-558-KSEV. And welcome back to Kevin's Seven Show, Your Finances. This is episode eight. Wow, already? That's two months. Yeah, episode eight. If you anybody wants a refresher, we talked about a lot within 
the arena of structured notes. So I, yeah, and I don't remember half of it. Of course, you remember all of it. <laughs> That's why you need somebody to help you get through this. And that uh, scheduling of an appointment it might come in handy. Uh, yeah. Eight seven seven Kevin's seven eight seven seven five three eight four six seven seven because he does sound like he knows what he's talking about. Yeah, this is also you know the cool thing about having podcasts that you can go back and you know have a little refresher, and it's it's always going to be up there. You can go to that uh, Apple Podcast Kevin Seven K E V I N S the number seven dot com. And it, uh, it'll refresh you on uh, what the heck in the, is a structured note. Some of the things I heard sounded very appealing. Some things didn't s- sound appealing. Well, that, that's, I think we did a pretty good job on something that most people haven't heard about. But again, like anything else in investing, you have trade-offs. And it's very important for people to be sure that they know what the trade-offs are whenever they go into a structured note. There's all kinds of different people out there. Some people say, hey, I want 100% of my money protected. I'm okay with the investment bank protecting it. And there are other people out there that might say, well, I, you know, I don't know. The investment bank might uh, not be so good of a protection as a CD, and it's not because the CD is FDIC insured, right? So they'll go, I want the FDIC insurance. That's, you know, the CD part of a structured note. Then, you know, there'll be trade-offs on the downside. They're not going to get as high of a return, but they need to know what those trade-offs might be. And in the case of a barrier or a buffer, there is potential for loss of principal. So the the trade-off you got, you know, with more potential to, it limits the, the loss, or potential, but whenever the the potential of the uh, the loss uh, goes down, then the return will be a little bit be- better than it would be in say a, a protected principal note. So we got right. positive, positive and negative. It could go either way, and that's your trade offs in investing. Right. I mean, that's just the way it is. <laughs> that's the way life is, right? Exactly. So you gotta, you know, and this is again, we talk about this is one investment choice. And uh, But everything should go back to a financial plan. The whole map, if you're, look, if you're going to a place you've never been before, and nobody who's pre-retired or not retired has been retired yet, if you're in a car and you go into a place you've never been before, it's pretty smart to have Google Maps, Apple Maps, or Waze, that's what I like to use, Waze, and it'll tell you how to get there. That's the same thing with a financial plan. It will be the best thing that anybody can look at doing to see where they could potentially wind up. And it'll give you a confidence level. We'll, there's two different charts that usually we show. The first thing when we do a financial plan for somebody, it will show you where they're at and where they could potentially be. And it'll show this person has 40% probability of doing what they want to do in retirement. There, and on another screen, it could show not, if somebody else, it could show 90% probability. Obviously, the higher the percentage, you want 100% probability that you're going to be able to do in retirement what you want to do. Oh, yeah. So that's the whole point of a financial plan. And it's seven steps, just like it covers essentially seven things within a financial plan you have your investments, your retirement, which we spend the most amount of time on. It takes a look at your insurance, uh, education planning for your kids, your tax situation, and the best kinds of tax planning to do, estate planning, and then also liability management. That's a mouthful, but that was seven different modules inside of a financial plan. So that's the, the foundation at Kevin Seven. We use those seven different modules for a financial plan. And then also, we, we spend a lot of time just talking about structured note, which is one form of an investment. And within, again, using the car analogy, you have nowhere that you've been before, you use either Google Maps, Apple Maps, or Waze. Also, you need to have gas in your car. You're not going to be going very far, right? That's right. So that is where the investments come in. The, 
the the investments are the gasoline for the financial plan because it's not just 100% financial planning. If you don't have any gas in the car and your investments aren't performing the way that they should, then you're not going to make it. Good so, analogy. Yeah, no, yeah. it's true. It's right. It is. It's uh, uh, Say somebody wants to work with you, Kevin Seven. What do they need to do first? So they can call one eight seven seven kevin 7 and this is also, by the way, on our website, kevin7.com, K-E-V-I-N-S, the number 7.com. You can schedule an appointment. It says SmartVestor Pro, actually, on there. Schedule an appointment with the SmartVestor Pro, which I am. You can schedule an appointment there right on the website, and you can schedule a call to meet with Susan, or you can schedule a Zoom call to meet with Susan. And so at some point, we get the – We'll get the uh, the person in a, a Zoom call with me, right? And when that happens, it's, we onboard them, which that's the new terminology out over the last few years, onboarding. So we bring yeah. people into the financial planning system, and it's pretty cool software. They get a, a link. They sign in. They can link every single financial account that they have into their financial plan. It's like going to the doctor. You want to go – to a doctor and tell them everything about you so that they know how to make recommendations appropriately. And that's what we do. We, we gather as much information as possible through the financial planning portal. You, you can even, it's bank encryption. They can, a, a new person coming on board, they can upload their 401k statement and all of that. It's totally secure. And once it's in our system, we take a look, and uh, I take a look before I even meet with the, the, the person who's looking to onboard and tell them if we can help them or not. You know, maybe we not, might not be even able to help them if their finances might look so good. And another, but, but more often than not, in particular, we see this with financial statements or 401K statements or brokerage accounts. People are way over-diversified, and over-diversified always hurts returns. And so that's why... You, uh, you should not be over-diversified. And we, we've delivered results as a result of not ever being over-diversified, right? Examples so, of being over-diversified. Somebody, you know, these mutual funds, they have over 25 different stocks minimum in them. And we see some of them have 50 to 100 stocks in each mutual fund. And then we might see upwards of 50 different mutual funds in one, on one statement, which, quite frankly, is ridiculous, and people should not be over-diversified. It, link, it, it also makes the whole portfolio more expensive. Oh, that's 30 seconds. What are you going to tell these people where to go? Yeah, well, you go back to Kevin Seven, Apple uh, Podcast. We'll touch again on tithing that we didn't get to. Um, come back again this Sunday at 1 o'clock, this coming Sunday. Thanks for listening to Your Finances with Kevin Seven. If you have a question for Kevin during the week, you can give him a call at 877-Kevin7. Or you can email him at K-E-V-I-N-S, the number 7.com. And tune in again next Sunday at 1 o'clock for Your Finances with Kevin Seven. Right here on KSEV. Kevin Cookley is a registered representative with Securities and Advisory Services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision.